0: Welcome to Stemming and Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful, winning woman of color to the show. Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Stimming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. And today I'm really super excited that, <laughs> that we have a, a superstar on the show today. Um, Kanika to- uh, Tover is here with us and she's gonna talk to us about her story. She We're gonna talk about career rehab. We're gonna talk, y'all. I can't even wait to get started. Um, so you guys know how we do. We got to welcome our guests. So welcome, Kanika. How are you?
1: Thank you. Good afternoon. How are you doing today?
0: I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing what I do. <laughs> I keep keep it moving. <laughs> um, uh, I am, like I said, I'm really excited to have you here. Um, I just feel like we're in a space where we need to be talking about our what's next or what's our, you know, what is our right now, um, especially as it relates to our career pathways. And, and by our, I mean, women of color, I mean, black women, um, both um, describe me and describe us. It describes our audience that we're talking about today. So I'm just like, man, we gotta, we gotta do this thing. So I'm really happy that you're here.
1: I'm excited to be here too. I'm in agreement with you that us as Black women, we got to continue to push forward, but we have to be strategic and we have to develop a plan. And today we're going to talk about that plan.
0: I hear it. All right. Well, first, you guys know how we do Um, on the show. Usually we have people tell us their STEM story. And I've asked um, that Kanika tell me her STEM story, but it's going to be related to you know, uh, moving us to talking about the book and how we en- how she ended up being this the the author of this book, but also we want to move forward and talk about you know how we can help how you know wherever you are right now in the career pathway. We want to give you some advice, or I should say, she's going to give you some advice, and I'm going to be taking notes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so my my um career story, for as STEM related, is that I went. I graduated um, from Prince George's County High School. Um, I I was educated in the um, public school system. I went to Friendly High School. After high school, I transitioned um, into going into HBCU by the name of Bowie State University where I got my computer science um, degree in, my bachelor's in, and I was really focused in on internet technology. I was fascinated about how to build websites. You know, back then it was like, you know, building websites with HTML and mm-hmm. using Dreamweaver and Front Page and Publisher and all of those intrad- intrad- those tools that introduced us to the web that we know now. Right. So I really, really was like, man, I want to go into developing websites because I just really enjoy programming. Um, then I graduated from college and I went into the um into the career space of being a developer, so I worked as a developer um, at the beginning of my career at the Department of Labor, and I had, you know spent a couple of years as a SaaS developer, mm-hmm. and I transitioned as I as I kind of like I kind of transitioned really fast in my field because I you know started off you know as a developer and then I went into being into project management, mm-hmm. and then I kind of got into a place you know, where I was unhappy in my career. Mm-hmm. You know, I was making six figures by the age of 27. I was, you know, a homeowner. Uh, I was a, a wife. I had all these amazing things happening for me. And then I started to feel very unhappy in the career space. Wow. And then that's when I birthed career rehab for my personal journey. Mm-hmm. I was in a job for five and a half years with four different managers, no no support from my leadership. Um, I was unhappy with the technologies I was working with. I was not in an innovative environment. I was in a very toxic work environment. So in 2014, I had decided to leave the federal government to go into private sector. Mm-hmm. Very unheard of, right? So I reinvented myself and I reinvented my personal brand to go work at a at a Fortune 500 tech consultant company by the name of Deloitte. So career rehab started with me. I reinvented my federal government tech brand for private sector because mm-hmm. I knew that I desired more. I knew that what I was experiencing for five and a half years going to work, leaving in tears, being disappointed, um, wanting to. Do more. I wasn't getting that at that job, so that's when I said, "You know what? I'm going to leave my good government job.
0: job, (laughs) Not the good government job.
1: (laughs) Good government job for a private sector. When I did that, that's when I kind of rehabbed my career, Mm -hmm. and then I kind of started to like notice, like, wow, I actually can do things when I brand myself and get certification. So that's kind of career rehab started with me first. Well,
0: it, it, you know, I almost believe that it probably had to, right? Because you wouldn't, how would you be able to speak on it with any, I want to say authority, but like sort of the authenticity that it takes to actually do it if it, if you didn't do it, you know? So like when you're talking about it, it's like you're talking about things you know, you've experienced, you've been through, like, hey, I did it. I know it can be done. And so, I, listen- I appreciate it. I when you said good government job, I could just hear I I hear my mama's voice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody in my family had worked for the government. Everybody I knew had worked for the federal government. So when I decided to leave my government job, a lot of people were like, "You're crazy. You're ruining your career." Women older older women in tech that I, I had worked with that were in their forties because at the time I was only like you know maybe. 30, mm-hmm. and the older women that I, they had only been at one government agency their whole career, they were like, You're ruining your life, you're ruining <laughs> your career. What you gonna do? So, that type of fear and anxiety, I had to overcome that even as I was transitioning. And I always talk about how you got to network for your future and not your past. Because if I leaned into listening to those people, I would have never. Got to this podcast show <laughs> right right no I think that's really true and it's
0: you know it sort of goes back to like my my family's full of teachers and and I was a teacher too so when I met before I was an engineer I was uh well I should say after I was an engineer I went into teaching and everybody was like right right but then when I decided to leave everybody was like uh, say what now Like, why would you do like, this is the most secure job you can have outside of the government. Right. Right. And I was like, what, you know, Hey, if I feel like I'm floundering here, if I feel like I can't grow, if I'm feeling stifled here, if I feel like my voice isn't heard here, why would I stay? Like, what would make me stay here? It's like staying where you're being abused. Like who does that? Like purposely, like you have to leave. Like they haven't locked you up. You're not in jail. and you you decide to stay. It's like, well, I don't I don't get it.
1: <laughs> like I just yeah. Don't get so it. that's like, yeah. So I th- that's exactly the f- feeling that I felt. I felt that I was dealing with career abuse, and I felt like that I was making the the responsibility was on the employer. And the moment that I said, "Hey, I can take career ownership back,"
0: mm-hmm.
1: I started to thrive because I kept saying for five years, "Why my job won't do this? Why they won't send me the t- training?" Why won't I, Why won't my manager listen to me? Why Why do I got co-workers that don't want to do their job? And when I started to think about it, I'm like, I can't change these people. Right. I can't change the environment. But I can change myself by removing myself and finding something that's a better fit. So that's, that's exactly where dating jobs became. Well, okay. So now let's, so, because here's the thing.
0: I, I don't think we know how to do this. Like, I don't think, well- And I, and I'm going to say this because like, well, some of us don't know how to date in general, but that's a whole nother subject for a whole nother day, but we don't know how to date jobs. The thought of that in my mind, if I'm honest with you, there's a little bit of like,
1: I want to say uncertainty and fear involved in that. Like, what does that mean? So dating jobs is a concept that I came up with when I got into private sector, I was like, you know, hmm. You know, I left my government job making $106,000 I, and I went into a private sector opportunity and then I stayed there for less than a year or maybe 12 months at Deloitte. And then I got, I went from 106000 to my next tech job was 141000 I was like, oh yeah, we friends with benefits. That's what this is, Right this is, and I talk a lot about that in the book that we are actually friends with benefits. And those that follow me on Twitter know that I talk about this concept a lot. Is that what can the job do for you? And dating jobs is not about technically job hopping. That was an example where I did stay for 12 months, but seeing the exposure and the experience and expanding my network and expanding my pay was like, okay, this is what dating jobs look like. There are opportunities where you can stay somewhere for two years, three years, five years, and the relationship is healthy, right? It's yeah. a healthy it's a healthy relationship. But, but when it no longer becomes healthy, meaning that you're unhappy, meaning that you feel like you're not getting the pay that you deserve, or you just wake up and say, you know what? This is a great culture. This is a great organization. The pay is good, but I, I don't even like what I do anymore. And I'm mm-hmm. ready to start over into another field, another industry. So, dating jobs is really about. I'm friend. We're friends of benefits. And what can you do for me? Because I know what I'm doing for the company. Right. I know what I'm doing for the employer. But I think dating jobs is it, it's, is it's more so like. I can have unique experiences and exposure the same way I could when I dated multiple men, right? Before I got married, I I could have this experience with Bob and this experience with Jim. But until we find a job we want to marry, we should be, you know, we should be dating jobs. I hear.
0: listen, I I feel like, (laughs) I feel like this, you need a show. You just need a show with every episode is just like this because when you say dating the job like I I I'm here for it be friends with friends with benefits and a know what you have to bring to the table but then it's like okay but what things am I getting can I get from this do I leave with some certification can I leave with some experience that's gonna launch me into my what's next do I leave with the new skill or what what
1: is it yeah that's the benefits Yes. yes. And I think going into the relationship, you should know exactly what you want. Do you want remote work? Do you want Mm -hmm. a flexible work schedule? Do you want paid time off where you go in and saying, hey, they offer seven hours per pay period. But with my experience... I want to actually counter offer for nine or 10 hours per pay period. Do I want to get a training budget out of, out of this relationship? Mm -hmm. Do I want to be able to do global travel on their dime? Meaning that I will travel around the world to do my job, but I'll be able to be able to stay in that nice hotels and, and go to conferences and, and meet other clients. You know, when you're single and you're young, this is an opportunity for you to see the world on the organization's dime versus Mm. your own dime. So the benefits is the same way when you dating somebody and he wants to fly you out or you want to fly with him to a trip. I Mm. think it's so many opportunities that we are missing out that we are solely focused on the job offer. And it's so many other benefits outside of the job offer. So, okay. So question. So here's where I think people get,
0: there's two places. Well, probably multiple, but here's what the way I'm looking at it, or the way I see it. And you can tell me yes or no. Um, one is yes, that job offer. Cause we think that's the end. Like we've gotten, we've done all the things, you know, we've done the setup, we've got the resume together. I nailed that interview. I even nailed the second interview. I probably nailed, I probably did nail the third interview and the final interview. I got the offer. Um, and I, and I can tell you from experience from, from, My own experience, like sometimes when you get that offer letter, it it was terrifying to um, the first time I actually negotiated. But with, you know, like the counter offer to the offer letter, girl, I was like, I know I have to negotiate. (laughs) I know I have to. I have to negotiate. And it wasn't that like, you know, anybody said you had to do this, but I'm like, no, 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 no. They, you know, it's like they, they, this is built into the process. And I feel like we're the only people who don't know that. Like we just get the offer letter and it's like, oh, great. Let me just sign it and send it back. And now I'm secure and I'm safe and everything's good and I'm happy for my first day. And it's like, well, no, you you would negotiate. You negotiate if you're in a relationship with someone. There are things that that happen. Hey, he did something or she did something you don't like that. You say, "Hey, I didn't like that. Can you do the following?" And so you there's a negotiation that happens during the whole course of the thing. And why and we don't do that. We we basically sign, we we leave money on the table, we leave opportunities on the table. So can you tell us talk to us about About that process,
1: that process is very important. So, I in the book I talk about you know how to get paid now, Mm -hmm. the money, power, and respect. And I think that um, it's it's inspired by you know, of course, hip hop song with you know, (laughs) the locks and Little Kim, money, power, respect. Mm -hmm. I think the part that we tend to not negotiate on or we're scared to negotiate on is the power and respect mm. like we don't want to we don't want to ask for anything more than what they've given us because we're scared that they're going to not respect the counter-awful or you know they they going to make us look like we a little bit with the power like how dare you as a black woman ask for more money or ask for other things so i think it's important for us to know that one you should not just focus on the base salary. You should be negotiating other things. Other things, Yes. Other mm-hmm. things. And I think that's the missing point is that my power of respect comes into play when I say that I want a training budget. I want to earn these types of certifications. I want to get paid time off. I want to have maternity leave when I have a baby. Um, there's other levels of power of respect that comes into play into the job offer that can add up to more money in the job offer. So I think it's important to know that um, white women and men, they do it all the time. And I think if you are really, really focused in on what's in it for you and you feel like you killed all three rounds of interviews you should submit a job offer i mean so you should you should counter offer a job offer stop mm-hmm. feeling validated you know us is especially black women or i'm just so happy that it's the same way when you go on a date I'm just so happy that the date went well. I'm just so happy that the job interview went well. I'm so happy that he liked me. Oh, he likes me. Oh, we went on two dates. We went on three dates. Okay, you went on three rounds of interviews. It's obvious that you are a subject matter expert, that you killed three rounds of interviews. You outdid other people. Mm -hmm. Why not outdo yourself on asking for the things that you really want? It's the same thing when we go on these three dates. Right. This guy want to be in a relationship with us. Everything else is up for negotiation at that point, because you need to know that you feel comfortable and satisfied with walking into that new opportunity, not, not leaving money on the table,
0: man. Listen, I I love this. Love, love, (laughs) love, love, love this. So, um, because I think, well, I know, like I said, when I did it, um, when the last time I did it, it was, I was terrified to do it. Um, and I ended up like, I did it the salary wasn't a thing for me. It was the other part. Um, cause when I went in, it was like, okay, so what, what is it that would make this worth my time, effort and energy? Right. right? So again, it wasn't the salary. Um, I, I make a decent living, but at the same time, it was the, it, for me, it was my time more than anything. So it was like, okay, so do I want to, you know? do i i can negotiate the 40 hours i can negotiate my vacation time i can negotiate my sick time i can negotiate my holiday time like what it was mainly those things like and then for me because i have i have a brand outside of of the workplace it was just like well i don't want to run into any issues where you think i'm using your platform to do my business and vice versa right. so all of that was negotiated in my new deal, like what that looks like, Good. the do's and the don'ts of it. Cause I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, I don't want it.
1: <laughs> I you, want create to those wear- boundaries. you created those boundaries and you, you did what was right for you. And that's, that's important. I didn't think about it from the aspect of that. If you have a business or a personal brand outside of your job. There has to be um, some conversations had. So, you know, that for me, I'm never going to stop. Doing the things that I'm doing as an right. author and speaker for the job. Right. Like that's not negotiable at all. Like, I'm, and I think that that's important to talk about because there are a lot of women that have businesses, personal brands, and I think that they have to choose mm-hmm. between the job and the dream. And I always say, like in my book, I date jobs, I'm married to the dream. Oof. You know, so I'm never going to, most of the time, if I'm cheating, I'm cheating you know, <laughs> or the job with the dream. I'm cheating on the job with the dream because the things that I aspire to be outside of the job are a lot bigger than this 40 hours per week. So, you know, I had a,
0: we, I had a conversation with a friend um, this weekend and I mean, she is, to me, she's a powerful woman, right? I, I really want her to, cause she listens. So I really want her to know, and she knows who this is, but, So what came across in that conversation to me was that she has forgotten how to dream. Mm -hmm. Um, and she actually admitted that in the, in, in it, um, in that conversation, it's like, you know, we, especially as black women, because we work so hard and we have all these responsibilities and we've sort of talked ourselves out of the idea that we can dream and that we can put, um, Put some meat on the bones of a dream and make a thing happen that way mm. yeah, so I just and that's one of the the things that I really do admire about you is that we can see your dream in motion
1: yeah in motion. it's 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 an evolution, and I think that be, black women have normalized putting ourselves last Mm -hmm. in every area, whether it's our relationship with a person, whether it's our children, whether it's, whether it's with, you know, putting our families first or, you know, taking care of our parents. And I think that dreams get lost in the idea of, um, you know, everybody else, everybody, including the job, got to I got to I got to handle that before Mm -hmm. my dream. So one, one thing that I would, I would really encourage her to do is, to utilize the career to leverage the dream utilize the career to leverage the dream this is one of the quotes that i had in my first book life rehab is that there are opportunities that we can use within our careers and within our experiences to leverage the dream meaning that there are you know there are unique things that we can projects that we can take on opportunities, expanding our network with people that are dreaming and doing the things that we want to do. So it'll leverage us to believe that we can do it too, right? So Mm -hmm. if someone said, okay, Kanika, how did you get here? I I got a quick story. In the Obama administration, I was very eager to apply to this special project to set up the social media marketing platform for the Department of Transportation. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, you know, this Obama administration is using digital strategy. They're using social media. He was one of the first presidents that really used a campaign using social media and technology right. and really showed us how to market himself online. Because the reality is, is we wouldn't have voted for President Obama if he didn't have a personal brand. That's true. Right? Yeah. Was the very first presidents and politicians that we saw that came in the door with this unique personal brand. His wife had this personal brand. It was all well-established and put together, but that's an example of how they utilized their lawyer career as a, as an yeah. attorney to leverage the dream, the dream yeah. to be the president of the United States. But let's use all of the things that I've learned with me and my wife going to law school and all these great things. So right. back to my story, um, Is that I said, you know, I want to I want to be the social media person and I want to set up the Twitter and the Facebook page for them. I got the opportunity to do that during the Obama administration. I went to Georgetown University to get a social media marketing certificate in social media marketing for for government. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in these classes and I'm like, man, I'm going to use this for myself, right? <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm going to use it for the agency. But even in the midst of that coursework, I was thinking about, I want to be an author. I want to be a speaker. And how could I do that? I could leverage the, the things I was learning for my career, for my dream. So we got to somehow always keep that in the formula.
0: Oh, okay. So I don't think, like I said, I just don't think people, I don't think we think about it in that way. I think we, you know, we, it's almost like it's a mind shift that we have to look at and actually take stock of in some places, like what our skills actually are and then how that translates to something else, like to the dream, to the other thing that we were like, oh, I, you know, yeah, yeah, that's out there somewhere. It's a dream. It's not going to happen though. No. You know, like how do we translate all of the stuff over here, all of these skills, these certificates, the degrees I got that, you know, all that stuff, it can help you in your business. It can help you make, like you said, leverage that dream. I just, I think that that is really key and I think we can't forget it. Okay. So now getting back to this thing. So I, we have, we have um, accepted the offer letter. The counter offer was accepted or wasn't. And we did all of that, whatever. We decided we're going to do this job, Right. Um, what when you say we're dating jobs, what is a good time frame to date before we make the decision whether we're gonna move into a serious relationship
1: or we, you know, we gotta part ways? I think um I really talk about looking at the first 90 days. Mm. The first 90 days will tell you a lot about a person or <laughs> tell you a lot about the organization that you're working for. So I think it's important to, you know, the first 90, I say the three, three to six months, you know, that's the honeymoon stage. You right. know, that's when the job, you know, you feeling excited, you feeling, ooh, you know, you <laughs> get off of the job, you they they telling you everything that you think you wanted to hear because you accepted the new position. But it's a good opportunity to really observe mm-hmm. a good opportunity to really say the things that they talked about in the job interview and on their website and in my offer and the things that I read on Glassdoor. Because if you did your if you vetted the job before you accepted it and Glassdoor was good and they told you it was a really good organization to work for or you talk to other people that worked at that organization prior to you. That's another important thing is before you accept the job offer is that you should be talking to other people that work in that organization that you can network and find through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, cause it's like me, if I'm, if, if I'm dating Bob and you dated Bob two years ago, And I need to know if Bob really was what he's what you, you know, if he wasn't on that, then I don't need the data. Right. Don't waste my time. Don't waste my time. So my thing is I go on LinkedIn and I will go and I will find people, brown people that look just like me, Mm -hmm. people of color. And I ask them, how was your how was your how was your two years or three years or if if they still at the company? I'll still ask them exactly how it's been. That's another way to kind of vet out to see if it's a good opportunity. But I would say 12 months to 24 months is a good dating period. Got you. Because the first year, they're going to show their true color, cover, colors. Excuse me. They're going to show you their true colors within the first 12 to 24 months. Yeah. I believe. But I've seen it where they took people have taken the job and, and they had to leave. They had to dump the job within less than a year because it was that toxic. Yeah. Been there. (laughs) Well, I've been there too. And one thing I don't recommend is I don't recommend anyone staying in an abusive career relationship.
0: It's the worst. It is.
1: Don't care if you didn't stay there for twelve months. No, get out.
0: Get out. That's the yes. That's the truth. It was. Every time I think back on that period of time, I there's there's two things I I think. What were you thinking? Like you saw signs. quickly um pretty quickly I saw signs really quickly and then the other thing I'm thinking well because part of that is for me it's always like yeah but Tasha you're not a quitter you were like you know you're gonna go in here and it's like we just gonna we just <laughs> gonna power through and then it was just like but it's okay to say nah this is not yeah mm-mm, this yeah. not gonna that's,
1: work that's another thing black women in STEM has conditioned themselves to power through and um Powering through had led to gastritis mm-hmm. in my stomach, um, anxiety, depression. Mm-hmm. It had led to um, me feeling hopeless. It had led to going to uh, work in tears, leaving work in tears. So that's where the dating jobs came about. We going to dump toxic jobs. Right. We going to stay in relationships with job, jobs that's treating us well. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm fine with people saying, you know what? I, I want to, I've been in this relationship for five years or 10 years. If it's been treating you good in the way that your lifestyle, that's another thing. Your lifestyle setup has to align with the right job. Right. So black women always mm-hmm. want to be directors and VPs and they want to, they want to reach so high, but at the same time, that ain't my goal because I'm reaching real high in my personal life. Right. So the relationship can't be. It's when I feel like being bothered. That's kind of how- <laughs> you can't know. <laughs> That's not how this works. Right, right. And I think if you going back to your friend, if you are putting your dream on the back burner for a job, they see the thing is we 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 too busy helping these organizations reach their dreams. Right. So you need to be finding a job. If you really got a dream, you need to be finding a job with a good balance. And that goes into when we when we job interviewing and we accepting offers. Going back to your point, how much of level of commitment do you need from me? Because I ain't rocking with that. Like, if a dude wanted to see me five days a week, it's like no, we can't. No, we I'm only available on these days. Correct. With the job, we want forty hour work weeks, and we out. Yeah, I listen. I, I said
0: to uh, like I said to to my friend, I was like, you know it to me I, I i quoted to her advice that she had given to me and it goes back to what you were saying a little earlier in the conversation when you were talking about owning our own careers right um which in essence means that we have to own our own life right so cuz cuz our we spend we spend so much time pursuing in the middle of getting ahead of our career right, right. well for a lot of us i'll just say cuz you know that's not everybody's dream but But I'm like, you know, if I don't own it, if I don't own it and and I have decided I'm going to give it away to this organization, these people, whoever, right, then then it's like, it's almost like you can't even, what are you mad about? You gave it away, right? So if it goes to a place, is that a place where you don't recognize it or yourself or you're doing things that you don't morally or, you know, you just don't agree with, like, Well, you allowed it to go here. Like you decided at some point that I'm going to give my whole self, my thoughts, experience, whatever to this individual or these, this group within this company and
1: say, you, you guys got it. You got, you got me. But we've done that in our personal lives (laughs) one time or another, every, every woman, every black woman or every woman has been in a relationship where they lost themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why the analogy is so easy to easy to put into a job perspective is because jobs validate people. Yeah. People validate people. Right. Yeah. it's It's a sense of it's a sense of fulfillment to know that a job needs you. Yeah. And I think that that's where it comes from, like you know, I got this job title. I got this job. I got these material things and I've had it all. I mean, I hadn't had it all. Right. But I don't, my fulfillment comes from knowing that um, I'm doing things outside of work, like being on your podcast show right now, that brings me the most joy. I don't think there's any job that I have had that gives me (laughs) no way me as much joy than career rehab and the things that I do outside of that, because I can be authentically myself Mm -hmm. and I don't feel like I'm selling out. So I think it's very hard. Like even in the book, I have a chapter where I talk about, you know, how to be you without selling out. And I think that's very hard. (sighs) for black women, how do you be you without selling out? Like it's a thin line, right? Yeah. And, and full disclosure, like
0: I, if the, if the, um, the one I was talking about where I was, um, I had to, I negotiated my salary and everything. That was one of the things, like I had to really decide if this was a place where I could be myself. And because I knew, I knew some of the people who would actually work there. It was like, okay, I, I think this is that place, but I was so after my past experiences where I had people who would try to tell me who they thought I was and then expect and then hold me to that standard. And I'm like, but I was never that person. Like, I don't know, you know, so I hate to disappoint you, but I'm going to disappoint you because I'm not them. They they are not me. And so I think that's so, it's so real. It's so true that if you, if you get a place and you can't be you, that's not your place. Mm
1: -mm. And it's hard to show up every day to a place for 40 hours a week or more being someone that you're not. So mm-hmm. for the listeners, the best way to identify if a place is a good fit for you is we need to align our personal brands with the employer's brand. Mm-hmm. And we need to be doing our research. We really need to be looking into the company culture, seeing if they really promote diversity and inclusion. We need to be making sure that we look at the leadership page on their website and see if there's some people that look like us that's there. We need to be talking to existing existing employees that work there and really go in there and ask the hard questions straight up and be like, brother, sister, what is it, right? Because I think we are going back to being validated by the job offer. Are you willing to sell yourself out for a job offer? Um, so I think mm-hmm. when you get to, a, when you evolve as a woman and you start getting into your late thirties and you start hitting forty and all that. You ain't really even thinking about trying to be nobody but you. If you really, really getting sick and tired of being fake and putting on that mask, and it's too it's it's just exhausting.
0: It's exhausting. Like you were saying, forty hour plus a week, five uh, yeah, five days a week or more. Like, can you imagine like putting on just you got to put it on armor or put on whatever all day? I'm like, yeah do that. Like, I just want to, you know, like, if again, if I want to rock a brave one day or weave the next day, if I want to, if I want to not wear makeup, if I want to show up in jeans, if I want to speak Ebonics, if I want to speak proper English, again, in quotation marks, if I want to do those things, it's, it, that's the whole, or as my husband likes to say, I'm having the full experience Yes. <laughs>
1: The same way we go to stores like like Costco, Chick-fil-A, we need to be aligning ourselves with opportunities that is going to provide the full experience. Mm -hmm. Starbucks gives me a full experience that's different from another coffee shop. And Chick-fil-A gives me a different experience than Popeye's. So I think it's important to say, what type of experience am I expecting from this opportunity? And that goes back to Dating jobs, having your check checklist, having your, your, you know, your cheat sheet. What do I want out of that? And there are some must haves and there's some nice to haves on that list. And if your must haves outweigh your nice to haves, then you may be going in the right direction with the right organization. But um, we need to be interviewing them as much as they're interviewing us. So why
0: do you suppose that we don't? Um, and then I want you to answer, yes, I'd like you to answer that question, but also I want you to want you to, so when do we, how do we, so we're, let's say we're five, 10, five to 10 years into a career and, and I'm, I've decided, yeah, I want to leave my good government job. Like
1: what, what is, what's my first step towards doing that? The first step is, um really this transitions into being a brand and not an employee, Mm. shifting your mindset. Mm. This is one of the most popular chapters in the book about being a brand, be be a brand and not an employee. Mm -hmm. And I think I didn't discover this until 10 years after being in the game because I had an employee mindset, like aunties and grandma Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and mothers people that stayed on jobs for majority of their careers and their lives, they was very submissive. That's an employee mindset, being Mm -hmm. submissive to an organization that you know ain't healthy. So shifting your mindset, letting go of the employee mindset first, and then embracing a branding mindset. And when you embrace the branding mindset, you are keeping track of your performance on a On a regular basis, your wins, your small, and big wins, um, because that's going to help you transition into a new role if you're documenting that on a regular basis. And the second thing is really being an effective communicator with your manager, your stakeholders, the people that you meet with on a regular basis, like your team members and your clients that is going to allow you to shine. People want to be like, oh, she's the go-to person at work. She's really a SME. She really is always showing up well at meetings, conference calls, um, b- presentations and briefings. That's where you want to shine. And then that's those soft skills. You want to update that on your resume too, because we always focus on, I got a degree in X. Right. And I, 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 I did this for 15 years, but- what about your communication skills, your writing skills, your presentation skills? Those things help you stand out as a rock star on your resume and your LinkedIn profile as well. And the last thing mm-hmm. you do when you're embracing a branding mindset, when you are, are, are a brand, you are making the small things sound big, making Love the that. Small things sound big. And when I say that, there are things that we do every day that seem really small. That Excel spreadsheet, that presentation, that briefing report that you do monthly, mm-hmm. or that that weekly report that you do. We need to make sure that we are there's a bigger vision behind those tasks for the bigger vision of the organization. And I think when we can make the small things sound big, it allows us to be a rock star on paper. And when we articulate that in interviews, it shows our all of our transferable skills into a new role.
0: Right. That is the truth. So, I mean, it's it's so true. I was just um, having another conversation with with a uh, colleague of mine. We were talking about just that thing. Actually, we were talking about a spreadsheet and and how it it went from um, this little thing that um, that I was doing to now it's like oh everybody wants to see this spreadsheet, right? And, and so at the point to where I'm just sort of like. <laughs>
1: She was just like, "Do I want to share this spreadsheet with everybody?" Like, this is as long as, as you get credit, girl. You know, you know, this is like one of those
0: things where it's like, "Wait, <laughs> I put time, effort, and energy into making sure that this is what it is, and so the magic is that now it exists and that it is usable by everybody." Uh,
1: but it was like
0: one of those things, like, "Wait,
1: <laughs> yeah." And that's another thing, you know, far as women in STEM is that you want to make sure that in every opportunity that you are making sure that you get credit for the things that you that created, mm-hmm. the, built, the infrastructure that you built for a spreadsheet, for a team, for a project. And the way that you do that is you always show up. And you always speak at meetings, you always provide your input, and you always be like, oh, on this spreadsheet that I put together, yeah, this PowerPoint presentation that I did, oh, yeah, this report that I built uh, back in 2019, or whatever the case may be. I think it's very important to never, ever allow people to take something that you built and to remix it and make it their own because Black women, especially Black women, have been known to. Take notes. Yeah. Be the note taker. Mm-hmm. Um, be the nurturer of the team. No, get ball stuck and get to a point where you sit at the table and you are providing your opinions, your advice, and your knowledge in a way that people can know that you own it, but don't just give 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 that spreadsheet away. and Right. Then, yeah. Right. No, that was... <laughs>
0: I just remember. So, I used to be um, used to have a, a, a high administrative position at um, a college, um, and I can remember being in meetings. And honestly, there were there was one black woman and and a couple of black men, but most of the other people. I think there was like twenty people, twenty two people um, in this on this. We were on the task force together. And I didn't just remember sitting in that meeting, you know, I felt like I was doing all the talking because none of the other, none of the other black people, black or brown people were saying much, Um, you know, and later on I was, you know, sort of, you know, you have to pull you to the side meeting where it was like, girl, you need to shut up. Like we're, you know, and it was like, there was this acceptance by them that we were the token people and they were willing to do that and not. You no know, because of course you know when you start talking you get assigned stuff right right <laughs> i mean you know that's the that's the by proxy of it but but i was like no i'm willing to do the work cuz i believe in what the task force is doing xyz123 and it was like no shut up because the the thing is is that now that you've started talking the i you know the the thought is is that now we will we will we will back you or we'll start talking too and i was so floored Like, I do not get this mentality. It's like, even if they did put us on this task force to be the token, that doesn't mean that we have to fulfill that role. Like, I don't get that. You know, that you were willing to to do that and just be a figurehead and name only and just stand there for the press conference, but not necessarily have any input in what, what came out of the task force. I just was so floored by that. But then I realized that I think we have been conditioned and you kind of touched on it before to play it safe. We don't want to rock
1: any boats. Yeah. They had an employee mindset. They were only doing what they were told to do where the brand you were trying to shine and you were trying to go above above and beyond to offer a unique offering or service, right? You talk about company brands and how they have unique offerings and unique services and products. If we as employees keep an employee mindset, we can't offer anything unique. We're only doing what's in our job description or we're only doing what we're told every day. That's not going to allow us to shine as a brand. So it's very important that those that, and, 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 and you know, there are many successful people that have that mindset, right? But they're not going to grow beyond that organization. Mm. They're not going to grow beyond that team. And they're not going to learn new skill sets. They're they're not going to get unique exposure because they're going to be tied to just standing there, like you said, saying nothing. So I think for me, if if I step up like you did, like I was more so like you at work, I'm doing it with a strategic mindset that I'm stepping up to do this task because I'm trying to get another job. Today, right. I'm trying to stay here and be loyal to you. I'm doing this for resume building purposes, for networking purposes, for getting a promotion. So it, it, it's all about being a, a hustler. It's not about, oh, I'm going to be on the slave masters <laughs> plantation and I'm just going to stand there and I plan on being here for the next 15, 20 years just saying, yes, master. No, I'm building new skill set so I can go to the next organization.
0: Yeah. So here here's what I want to do, because I feel like there is a part two to this. (laughs) We got to talk about some stuff. Um, But just because um, I know I just really think we're going to have to schedule out a part two. And I really do mean that. But what I want you to do right now is to a tell us what's next for you um, and then where people can find you.
1: All right. What is next for me is I will be um, in the spring. Um, I will be launching a career rehab coaching program. Oh, I can't even wait. <laughs> we definitely have to have you back on to talk about it. So I will definitely be launching a program. This program will be based upon the core principles that's in the book. It'll be a group program where people can meet with me directly with a small set of other professionals where we will meet biweekly and we will meet via Zoom. And we will be talking about how to brand market and sell yourself into the career that you deserve. So Mm. this is going, the thing, if you like this episode, if you like part one, this episode, and you thought that the gems and the conversation that we had today, just imagine being with me one-on-one and being able to ask me anything that you desire for your career and having a group of other like-minded people who want to grow um, in their walk as they take back their career ownership. So that's what's next, girl. I mean, the book you can get the book from from Amazon. I feel like I need my ticket early. Can I get
0: an early bird special? Yeah, I
1: mean, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be doing a couple things this year. So we're gonna be doing a coaching program. There will be a virtual um, career rehab tour. I mean, sorry, conference. A virtual career rehab conference. Um, this year and I'm thinking about doing a career rehab book club where we just talk about the book and we just meet and talk about the book and then y'all can just the readers can ask me their specific career questions and that'll be free the the, the book club will be free to all people that have purchased the book but yeah that's it girl nothing else going on I'm just she said nothing else no she did not <laughs> it's a lot that's a lot right (laughs) really yes I mean so we have the we have for right now we just have the book club and we have the coaching program and then later on this year we will have a virtual conference Mm. with other amazing speakers Um, but that's later in the year so we we're gonna just start off with one thing at a time
0: you trust I hear it but I'm excited I'm excited for you Um, I'm excited for just the audience of people who are going to um, sign up who can hear you right now and are like, I need her in my life.
1: (laughs) I'll give you the link for the show notes. I'll give you the link for the application to sign up for the.
0: Oh, please, 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 please. Cause I just, I feel like there's You have, this is fertile ground. I mean, and I know you know that, but this
1: is fertile ground. Yeah. It's going to be for STEM specific. um, Another just um, podcast show is for STEM professionals and STEM listeners. I wanted to create a program for people that are already in the STEM industry, but those that want to transition. I get a lot of DMs about how to get into tech or engineering. Right. Um, and a lot of people are saying, I don't know where to start. So this program is going to be for my cool geeks, the newbies. I like to call them. Whoever Love you, it. You read the book. The book has three alter egos. But yep. The newbies is for the cool geeks. And my corporate rebels are for those that are stuck. That, that they've been like, you know, we had in this conversation, they've been in a job for 10, 15 years. And they know they got to do something different. This program is for those two personas of professionals. But I'm excited to to have an intimate setting with, with everyone that joins the program in the spring.
0: I can't even wait. I mean, I just I feel like I feel this is I feel like I should be a commentator on the side. Okay. And Darcy goes in to ask a question. <laughs> uh,
1: you can you can join and we can push more people to. Um, we want more women, of course well, it's not, it's not just for women, it's for all people, but for our women, I definitely want them to connect with other like-minded women. But I want to be an example to say like, I've been where you've been at and I want to help push you forward. So, well, let me, you are an example um,
0: already just having done what you did and then having, having just the audacity to write it down and put it in a book. Like you, you know, the, that right there is like you, you took those steps and then you, then you took five more past it. So um we, we need this book. We need you in our life. This coaching program is going to be just transformative. I already know.
1: That is the um, word transformational.
0: <laughs> I just, I just already know it. I mean, some people are going to literally walk away with their minds blown Um, and they need it. It's just, sometimes you just have to, you have to have something that just jumpstarts you in a way that you haven't, you just haven't been before. So I just know, I feel like this program is going to be that for them. So
1: I think, I think you're right. And I think 2020 being horrible, I think everybody wants something transformational, you know? Um, and I just can't wait. So I hope you at least be a uh, fly on the wall, or come and join us sometime. Maybe you'll be. I'll bring you in as a guest speaker. I'm. Um, and trust y'all heard it here first, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. I'm. I'm. You know. I'm. I feel like I'm in the midst of the transformation um, because you know we've all those of us who've been through it, who've been through it have and had made the decision that you know what, I can't do this anymore. I have to. You know. I have to make the switch. It is a mindset change for sure. And it, and for me, it was a settling into the notion that I'm going to be me everywhere. I love it. Um, And so once I got there, you know, it's like, I know what I, I know what my purpose is. I know what I'm here to do. I'm going to be me and do that. And so marrying those two things together has has rewarded me in so many different ways that um, I would be happy to share it with anybody.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to bring in speakers, other STEM professionals. All of our stories count. Every one of our stories count. That's why I'm not making the program just about me being on the main stage and all that. I want these other people that join the program to have a safe place to share their story. I don't think there's been a safe place for women in STEM to really share their perspective on um, it's a male dominating industry. It's a lot of white men. It's a lot of Asian men. It's a lot of, it's a, it's a lot of toxic things that's happening in the tech space that I'm not happy about. And, um, and I've been there, I've been on teams where I was the only woman or yep. the biggest woman on the team and people have disrespected me and hurt me and, I'm constantly coming home crying and stuff like that. And I just want us to turn our tears into um, transformational stories. The great thing about the tears is that they matter too, but what you do with them after you wipe them, that's the part that really matters.
0: Right. And that's the part that I think, I mean, first off, you're absolutely right. And which is why I I'm trying to provide a platform where, where women feel safe enough to come on and tell their story and get the um, cathartic healing and support from other um, women of color and black women in, in this industry. Cause we we need each other. Um, mm-hmm. We need each other to survive. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm a firm believer of it, have similar stories. Um, but I also know that you're right. Once this, the tears pass, it's like, what am I going to do now? I can't, I'm not going to sit and cry every day. It, that's no, I got to do something different because this didn't work, right? So right. this did.
1: And, and the thing is, I think being conscious about, and we don't have to necessarily have this particular piece of the conversation in your podcast because we can just have like the after mm-hmm. conversation. This could be an aftermath conversation. But I think this is very important to say that what are the signs that I saw in that bad relationship?
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Stemming and Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of
1: Stemming in Stilettos.